The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. Is it time? Is it time for me? Is somebody reading it? Oh, I'm sorry, Jerry, you're reading the script? No, who's reading it? No, no, go. I'm a, I did this once at a wedding. It's very embarrassing. I'll just sit down right over here. You may be seated. Thank you, Todd. When uh, Bonnie and I first started attending here at Durkee Town, I noticed something, and I said to Pastor Ken, boy, you people use the Bible a lot over here. And he said, that's good, that's good. The sermon text from Mark 16, 1 through 8. That's Mark 16, 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as I told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. Am I, am, is it my turn now? Okay, good, because I just wanted to make sure. Um, children uh, up to second grade can go to Children's Church. And a welcome to everybody. I know we have a number of family and friends in today. It is so good to have you worshiping with us. Um, I want to say just a couple of things before I get started, uh, kind of to our congregational life, if you're a visitor um, just so you know, this is kind of in-house stuff. Um, to the Hunter family, uh, Tammy and Glenn that are here, and, and all the family, we continue to extend our love and prayers and condolences at the passing of your mom, our dear sister Mary Hunter, who went to be with the Lord. And we, um, we worked through that service just a few days ago in this room, celebrating her life as a Christian um, as a, as a faithful servant of the Lord, and how, how good 
that was to do. Um, for those of you that know and have been following uh, our dear sister, Marilyn DeSaint, uh, Mike uh, was at Marilyn's place last night and I went over for just a bit and um, prayed with Marilyn and, and Mike ministered to the family and will continue to do so. It's uh, by God's grace how long she'll remain. She was hoping to be able to last until her brothers arrived, which uh, should happen today. But uh, all things are in God's hands, but please pray for her family and all those in our congregation who have known and loved Marilyn so much uh, that um, in God's time, uh, she'll move from this life into the life to come with Jesus. And may she go in God's grace. Uh, I also want to just say uh, a heartfelt uh, praise God for our brother Jerry Madsen, who's with us today at uh, 97, 98, I'm keep trying to make you younger, uh, just a faithful brother in Christ, so good to have you with us, amen, amen, and two, uh, two of our Durkee Town members who have been members of this church for, uh, I don't want to put a number on it, but I'm telling you, it's a lot of years, that's a lot of years, Betty Wood, who's still uh, with her grandson in Argyle, faithfully praying, loving God, but we need to keep Betty in our prayers, also in her 90s. And then for our dear sister, Betty Wicks, um, down at the Oaks, I dare not try to remember, even get close to an age. I don't want that burden on me, uh, but let's just say she's a little older than I am. And uh, we are so grateful for these ladies who remain faithful to our church, even though they're not able to be with us in church. And some folks who are finding their way back, welcome Bud and Faith Hewitt. And I want to say a special hello to some very dear friends. When Rhonda and I moved to Glens Falls in uh, 1988, we were attending the First Baptist Church in South Glens Falls, and two people uh, and their two daughters, and one of those daughters in the room now, uh, Dick and Bev Close, uh, became such important features in our lives in those days. And Dick and Bev, I just want to say it is a joy to have you with us today. And Ron and I, especially, just so much are grateful for you guys. Amy and uh, your kids, good to have you along as well. We are grieving a different kind of grief this year over our Chicago Blackhawks, who have just had a horrible year, but maybe... They too can be raised from the dead one day. We'll see. <laughs> I'm going to put a picture up on Well, I'm not going to do it. I think somebody's going to picture on the screen. My friend in Texas sent this to me. And I want to ask, uh, like, what kind of an Easter do you want? <laughs> I mean, really, do you want that? I mean, hey, listen, if that's what you want, you can find it. You know, you can dismiss yourself and go out and look for it. It's out there. I, I, I asked the group down at St. James this morning, what would we need to ride our town to match that? And they said, well, a dairy cow or maybe a, a, a moose or, or something like that, you know. Um, but, you know, this is Easter for a lot of people. As I was driving this morning and heard on the radio and uh, just, just politely yelled at the radio guy when he said, oh, Easter is all about spring. And so we're going to play Vivaldi's, you know, part of the four seasons of spring because Easter's all about spring. I'm like, no, it's not. You know, no, it's not. And then, you know, I, I cut the guy just a little bit of slack, and later they played Christ the Lord is Risen today. So he kind of got it right. But um, is that picture still up there? Yeah. Oh, take it down, or everybody will be distracted now. 
Here's what Easter is really about. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's what Easter is about. The question I asked way back on March 2nd, now it seems like forever ago, right? Doesn't March 2nd like seem forever ago? Like a long time ago. But on that uh, Ash Wednesday night down at St. James as we gathered, I asked the question, how then shall we live? How then shall we live? To quote the theologian philosopher from some time ago now, how then shall we live? If Jesus Christ is risen, if he is risen indeed, then let us take up the 50 days of celebration and live unto him. That's how we then, as Christians, should live. And this is what faith calls us to do. Faith calls us to live unto him, the one who is risen, the one who is risen indeed. And that's what I've been saying for a few months now as we've worked our way through portions of Mark. I said that faith requires us to do what is right in front of us. Sometimes Christians get caught up in a trap thinking that their faith has to be some big, huge, massive thing. And if they're not doing some huge, massive thing, some big you know, production that it's not worth doing. No, faith always calls us to do what is right in front of us. This is what was true of the women. As Jerry read Mark's report on these women, the Marys who, what did they do? They, they bought spices because they're going to go and anoint. And then they get up early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they go to the tomb. They did what was right in front of them. There was no expectation that Jesus was alive. They simply were doing what they knew they needed to do in friendship and in fellowship and in custom to anoint the body. But here's the thing about faith, and I hope if you are a Christian, you will pay very close attention to this. Very often when we do what God gives us to do, the thing that is right in front of us, what we discover is his willingness to do what we are unable to do. Let me say it again. Very often when we do what God gives us to do, the thing that is in front of us, what we will discover is his willingness to do what we are unable to do. Two obstacles might have kept the women from going to anoint the body of Jesus. One was the size of the stone that blocked the entrance to the tomb. That's what Mark tells us. Each gospel writer mentions the size of the stone or mentions the stone for the reason that is specific to the telling of their story. Mark wants us to know that the stone was very large. And there's a reason for that. Because these women are going and they've got two problems. One, they've got a large stone. And the second problem is they don't know who's going to help them move it. I mean, the guards are there appointed, right, uh, in order to guard the entrance of the tomb that nobody goes in and steals the body away. They're not going to help them move the stone. But they go anyway. And this is the great lesson of faith on this resurrection day. They go anyway. Now, Mark, in his telling of the resurrection account doesn't tell us how or who moved the large stone. He just tells us that it was moved. But Matthew does. 
And you know, it would be good if you read all of the resurrection accounts today. It'd be a really good thing to do because each one gives you a little bit different impression than the other. And Matthew tells us that the stone was rolled away by an angel after an earthquake. And uh, so when the women got there, they were surprised to see that the stone was rolled away. So their problem was solved. Their problem was solved. But because they were willing to do what was right in front of them, God showed a willingness to them to do what they were unable to do, and that is to raise Jesus from the dead because God had already done that. And now, now they get the blessing of their faith. They get to meet the Lord Jesus Christ, the very first ones to meet the risen Lord Jesus Christ. When the gospel writers mention the women, they would not be doing themselves any favors on the scale of credibility. Because in, in the first century, uh, sorry ladies, women had no credibility as a witness or as a testifier to anything. You know, today you read accounts all the time and women in leadership and women in authority and you count their testimonies as credible. That's our culture, but not then. And so the gospel writers are showing us how the resurrection of Jesus begins to overturn all things, not just death, but also overturns the way things are done, even the cultures and the customs, as each of the gospel writers include the women who give testimony, credible witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They ask, who will roll the stone away for us? But I want to ask you a question. Who is going to roll away the various stones in our lives this day? Who is going to roll away the various stones of the lives of the people we love and care about today? I think the two obstacles that the women face are the same that we face this morning. There are large stones that we simply cannot move from our lives. And no one else can seem to move them either. We look for help. There's no help to be found. And we muddle along and we struggle and we strain. And very often we just seem to come up empty. And it's hard. It's difficult. Now, on the horizontal plane, of course, we all have shared stones that we we kind of know about these large, big, unmovable problems or obstacles, grief and sorrow, separation, the hardship that we face physically, people who have had lifelong suffering, ailment, hardship, relationships, disappointment, over and over again, seeming to come up again and face the same obstacle that is in front of them. And it seems like no one cares. Nothing can be done about it. But those aren't the obstacles I want to talk about today. You see, the obstacles that we need to think about today are the two that only... God himself can move. 
You see, when Jesus comes to earth, he comes as a stone. A stone to be crushed. But the odd thing is, and this is what is so strange about the gospel, it is through the crushing of that stone that the other stones get crushed. And this is hard for us to comprehend because we tend to look at our world through the lens of the way humans tend to look at it, and that is power defeats weakness. But the gospel says, oh no, that's not actually the way it works. The way it works is that weakness defeats power. You see, what if the way God moves stones in our lives is through a stone, and not just through any stone, but through Jesus, the one who is the chief cornerstone, the rock of offense. We do look at the physical stones that weigh us down, the things that concern us, and the things that trouble us and and i want you to know that god is certainly aware of those things and god cares about those things and god will love us through those things but the much larger question that comes out of mark 16 is not about the stones in the horizontal areas of my life these shared stones that we have but the the bigger issue is who is going to crush the stone of the law those two big stones, those, that tablet of stone that condemns us. And, and, and who is going to come and, and crush the heart of stone that so often finds its way into our lives? You, you, this idea of the stone kind of works its way through Scripture, right? Moses goes to the top of Sinai. There he receives on tablets of stone the law of God. And we're told that the law is a good thing. But Paul said this also about the law. He said, listen, I wouldn't have known it was wrong to covet unless the law told me so. And now I got a problem because I covet all the time. I wouldn't know that it it was wrong to lust except the law told me it was wrong to lust. And now I got a problem because I lust all the time. You're talking about a large, immovable stone. There it is. Who is going to move the stone that crushes us under the weight of the condemnation of our own imperfection and inability to keep the law of holy God? But then you take that other stone, this this hard heart is what Jesus called it. When he said to the, to the religious leaders of his days, you know, the people, you're, that you honor me with your lips, but your heart, it's, it's just far from me. It's far from me. Those are real problems, by the way. Those are real problems. And, and, and those are the problems we have to grapple with coming out of Mark 16. Because we have to ask these questions. Who is going to move the stone of condemnation? Who is going to move the stone of unbelief? Who is going to move the stone of coldness when it seeps into our lives? Who's going to move that? Who, by the way, is going to move the little stones that we kind of pile up and platform our lives on? And we think, oh, I got it now. I got my life right where I want it now. I built it up. I got everything in place. 
Who's going to crush those little stones that we build our lives on? Now, all of us who are Christians, well, Jesus does. And then you get your piece of candy because you got the right answer in children's church or something like that. Oh, Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. And that's true, but we need to understand how we get to that answer. Because how we get to that answer is very important. You see, to stick with the metaphor of a stone, what we find the Bible teaching is that while Jesus is indeed the chief cornerstone, we're told that he is a stone that's going to be crushed. And that seems strange, but this is what God does to confound us. For it is the preaching of the cross that is foolishness, you know. It is the preaching of the cross that is foolishness. Well, wait a second. You're telling me that you're going to believe that some guy died 2,000 years ago, that he walked out of the grave, and that you're going to put your whole faith into his life, and like you're going to build your life on him? A number of years ago, I was inviting this girl to church that was working at a local coffee shop, and she said, Easter, oh yeah, that's Jesus' zombie day. I don't know, why would I go do that? Well, that's kind of how the world thinks about it, right? A strange group of people meeting in a museum, talking about museum pieces. Some guy coming alive from the dead. But this is what God does. Instead of using hum human strength and what humans think you know, is impressive and powerful, he allows himself to be crushed. He allows himself to be defeated. He allows himself to be put down, to be put away. And, and why does Jesus do this? Why just a few days ago did we remember the day in which Jesus was crushed as the living stone? Because it would be through the strength of his self-giving love. It would be through his self-giving service that the tablets of stone, which condemn you and me because we can't keep the law, that those tablets of stone would be crushed. And, and it would only be through the, his life now risen that we can be awakened out of the deadness of our own life and out of the coldness of our own hearts to believe that Jesus is exactly who Jesus says he is. The Son of God, the Son of Man. The one who has saved us from our sins. That's what we, we sang here at, at, at Mary's funeral. And that's what we sang in the chapel on Friday night. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Now that's the Christian gospel. And that's what Easter is about. I mean, you can have, that's cool. I mean, it's cool. The Easter bunny on a Texas Longhorn steer is cool. I got to admit, there's a cool factor there. Like riding through town, and little sign followed me to church, and just like, the Pied Piper, let's see who shows up. But that's not it. That's not it. Who would have thought that when Jesus is crushed under the weight of crucifixion, he would be raised from the dead three days later? I mean, by that evening, 
he was almost completely forgotten except for very few people. I mean, you do realize that the majority of the world's population at that moment didn't even know he existed, let alone die, let alone would be raised from the dead three days later. And all the action was everywhere else. It wasn't centered in Jerusalem. So how is it that some 2,000 years later, we're here talking about him? I think about people who are absent from church, people who at one time went to church. Cannot be found in church any longer. Have lost their way. And they might say, well, you know, if it wasn't believed back then, why should it be believed today? You know, that's, that's not a bad question to talk about, and I'd love to talk to you about it. Before we get there, let me ask again, and I, and I hope if, if you are not a Christian, you will think seriously about this. You will think seriously about this. Why are people still talking about him today? Now, I, I, listen, I've had a little bit of exposure in life, I, still fairly limited, but I have never, I, that I can remember, I have never heard anybody damn Muhammad's name. I've never heard anybody damn Buddha's name. But every single day, I hear somebody damn the name of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Why is that? Why is the one who bore that name the one that people just hate, despise, or just use his name like, it doesn't matter, just a name. Why are people still talking about him today? Could it be true that the foolishness of God is wiser than men? Could it be that the weakness of God is actually stronger than men and rising up out of the garbage heap of Golgotha? taken down from the cross, bloody, beaten, broken, dead body, put in a cold tomb, but raised three days later, showed himself alive by many proofs, ascended back into the glories of heaven, sent his spirit so that his gospel would go through the whole world, and here we are today, 2,000 years later, praising his name. Hey, get on board! Get on board! This is Jesus the one crucified, risen, ascended, coming again. The women had two problems the morning they went to the tomb. There was a very large stone, and no one was there to help them move it away. But you know, today we really only have one problem. There is still a very large stone, but the other problem's been solved. We have someone who can move it for us. The one who is risen, the one who is risen indeed. You see, the condemnation remains on all who have not trusted in the name of Jesus, but you don't have to solve that problem. Jesus already solved it for you. Your sins can indeed be forgiven through the risen Christ. Are you trusting in Jesus, the one who rolls away not only the stone of unbelief and the stone of the law, but also all the other stones of our lives. Christian, are you trusting him day by day to take care of the things in your life? And if so, will you do by faith the thing that is right in front of you, 
regardless of how hard it may seem or impossible the task may be, will you do the thing in front of you? Durkeytown Baptist Church, will we do the thing in front of us? This loving God who came in the person of Jesus Christ is here for us today, waiting for us to respond, waiting for us to give our lives anew and afresh to him today. He lives for us. By his grace, let us live for him, for he is risen. He is risen indeed. So friends, do what is right in front of you. And when you do, you will find that God is very willing to do for you what you could not do for yourself. Let me pray. We thank you on this Easter day that you have given to us hope in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, I, God, so much. And I, I just want to say, praise you, O oh God, that you roll all of the stones away. That the law was rolled away. The condemnation of the law was rolled away. That you rolled away the unbelief and the coldness of hearts. And now let us walk in new life with you. And I pray for any, O oh Lord, in this room who do not have a clear understanding of what this means, that you would not let go of them, O oh God, that you would pursue them in love until they settle in their own heart what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. And for all in this room who are Christians, may their faith have been encouraged this day, I pray. In Jesus' good name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org.